for today from Isaiah 11. We'll read the bold part and you read the light until we join together for verses 9 and 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesus, of Jess. From his root, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sass around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the children's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea in the day the root of Jesse will send all the banner for the people. The nations will rally to him. I will be reading the Old Testament, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter, chapter 2, 1 through 5, can be found in your pew Bible on page 632. This is, what, this is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the last day, in the last days. The mountain of the Lord temple will be established at the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come, will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountains of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He, he will teach us his ways so that he, we may walk in his path. The law will go out from, from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will, he, will, he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their solar swords in their plowshares and their spears into bruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword, up sword against, against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The New Testament reading is Romans 13:11 through 12. It is found in your pew Bible on page uh, 1048. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, uh, because our salvation, is, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The gospel reading this morning is found in Matthew 
chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. In your pew Bible, it's on page 915. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be, be taken and the other left. Two women, two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So also must you be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. It says Seventh-day Adventist Church. All right, big deal, right? But amid that is a word that I think you know, Advent, yes? And of course, in our tradition, it refers to the second coming of Jesus. But tell me how realistic a second coming is without a first. It's a a violation of the rules of, of language, right? An order. You can't have a second before a first. There's a first coming, then a second. And so it is this season of Advent that we enter now and celebrate. Thank you, volunteers. You can go ahead and gently fold that up if you're able. If not, just lay it there and we'll deal with it after church. I take it that, yes, this is working. Wonderful. We've been having an art contest with our kids for Advent art, those things that speak to us in the themes of hope and peace and joy and love, anticipation in the season. I ran the same contest at CVAS with the kids there, and this was the winner for this week. It was hope. And uh, it's it's too far away for you to see, but there's Mary looking over some sort of uh, uh, manger there, and then there's wings on either side of the O uh, for the angels, and it was just graphic and charming, and I thought, okay, we've got ourselves a winner. But hope is what it's about, and hope is what we're going to talk about today. When Jill and I were driving back from the valley last night, uh, we had been to see both sets of parents, we noticed three helicopters hovering above our general area. And uh, we thought, I wonder what's going on. The freeway was clear. There were no cars on fire or anything, you know, unusual happening, not a 12-car pileup or anything. Three helicopters is a lot of resources these days. used to be you could get 12 helicopters out for about anything, you know, car chase, whatever, but not anymore. And they were up there hovering, and and we turned down our, our street, Ocean View, to go down, and there was the answer, at least we thought for the moment. It was the Montrose Christmas tree lighting, had to be, and parade, right? So they were going to, no, as it turns out, a young man or man had robbed 
pharmacy up on Foothill Boulevard in La, in La Crescenta, and then proceeded to barricade himself in a Verizon store, and after three hours of negotiating with police, um, shot himself to death. And that was what the three helicopters were there for. And I don't have the answers this morning. I don't know if he shot himself because he didn't want to go to jail. I don't know if he shot himself because he was thoroughly mentally ill and depressed. I don't know if he shot himself because he uh, and, and committed the robbery in the first place because somebody in his family needed the drugs or if he was a drug addict and didn't see any way out or if he had stolen the drugs for the market and resale because prescription drugs are as big a uh, problem in our country now as non-prescription illegal drugs. Whatever the situation was, it looks to me like it boiled down to an absence of hope. Somewhere, hope died in this man's life long before he did last night. And it's a terrible commentary on what's happening increasingly around us. People are losing hope. They're not infused anymore with a sense of divine purpose, a sense of time coming to some kind of fulfillment. They're not thinking that there's any way for them to make life work except to escape it, to end it. So I share that tragedy not to depress you. It's a very depressing story. It's a very depressing thought. I don't say that story or tell that story to extinguish hope among us, but merely to illustrate the ways in which it's so easy to let go of hope and as a way of reminding ourselves of just how important this season is in our spiritual lives and in our walk because we look for the light that is coming. Our text this morning that were read each speak to something different. And when you're hearing them read one after the other, it's kind of hard sometimes to keep track of what they're all about. What are each of these passages saying? What do each of these passages tell me about this particular season? How might I, might ex how might I experience hope as I listen to these words written so long ago for a people that are no longer living and no longer where they were planted? Their cities have long since vanished. What is going on? at least vanished in the way they knew them. So let's just take a quick look again, not to be dismissive of the passage, but to hopefully just give us a framework for understanding the hope that we enter in this season and this time. Hopefully you haven't lost your place too, too much in the texts you looked up, but I'm going to Isaiah 2 right now. Isaiah looks forward to a time that we have yet to experience. We experience seasons of peace. Peace is one of the Advent themes as well. But we don't experience epochs of it, aeons of it, ages of it. 
It says the law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And God will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many peoples. And when this is done, when the law has gone out and the word of the Lord has gone forward and everything has been adjudicated and judged, there'll be no more need for war and killing. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. We'll return to the agricultural root, the work for which we were made. You see, I've been talking about this these past few weeks. God's work, our work, purpose in work. What is it that we're called to? What is it that we were made for? And if you've been with me, you've noted that one of the things that we have been given is the responsibility of doing the same kind of work God did. He was a gardener creating the original Garden of Eden, and he calls us to garden, to make things beautiful, to bring an order to them, to receive the benefits and fruit of them. Made in his image, we mirror his work in the world. God never created us to slaughter one another. He never created us to destroy the image that he created. He never intended for us to rob one another of life, a life only he can give and only he can restore. This is why he's so plain in the commandments, thou shalt not murder They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for any more. And listen to this. Come, O house of Jacob, that is you. You have been grafted in. Romans 11, you are now part of that tree, the house of Jacob. Come, O house of Jacob, and read this with me. Let us walk in the light of the Lord together. Let us walk in the light of the Lord the light is coming. This is what we anticipate this season. And this is what Isaiah foresaw. A time of hope and peace and joy and love. Our next passage, just to take a quick look, is Romans 13. Paul, the great writer, apostle, theologian, will say something very interesting. And I preached a sermon entitled by this very uh, phrase. The title of the sermon was Nearer Now Than When We First Believed. And you'll find this in verse 11 through 14. It's actually the end of 11. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Why? Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now Paul is speaking of the second advent because he had already witnessed the Christ of the first advent. Salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. Every day that goes forward, our salvation draws closer. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The same metaphor for the second coming as for the first. The light is coming into the world. And a new day is dawning. A new day of hope and peace and joy and love. 
So let us put aside deeds of darkness. Let us put on armor of light. And that is where we stopped. If we go on to Matthew 24, it's apocalypse. This is Jesus' apocalypse. Jesus is talking about the end of the age. Those signs that we as Adventists have read so carefully and studied in light of Daniel and Revelation. Those signs we've contextualized in world events and often put in charts and timelines. Those signs which have helped us to understand the day and age in which we live and the nearness of the light that will come into the world yet again. Jesus reminds the people in verse 36 and forward. No one knows when that day is coming. All we know is that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when Jesus comes again. People will be doing what they've always been doing. And they won't pay any attention. They won't be aware. They won't be looking for the signs. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field, one taken and the other left. Two women at a mill, one taken and the other left. So keep watch. Because you don't know on what day your Lord is to come. But be ready. The message is be ready. Anticipate. Look for. Look forward to the hope that is coming. This is where we are to live. The Christian is to make his or her dwelling hope. 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 Hope in the light that has come. Hope in the light that is coming. Hope in the peace that is promised. Hope in the day that will dawn. I have other passages I would share with you on hope this morning. Not many, just a few to remind us that in fact it's not something we just say as a catchphrase or word, not something that just passes our lips casually, but something that has true depth and meaning in our lives. Psalm 25, 5, guide me in your truth. Oh, we like that. Truth is big. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Ah, now here's the hard part. And my hope is in you all day long. Where does hope spring from? Is hope necessarily an intellectual achievement? Just, just wondering where you feel hope. Is hope necessarily an intellectual achievement? I mean, it's tied to knowing, isn't it? It's tied to pistis in the Greek faith. It's tied to something that is cognitive, yes? Part of our thinking process. But it is not born of an intellectual achievement. We love the cognitive part of faith. We love learning about our faith. We love learning about Jesus, but we find knowing Jesus more difficult. We like learning about Adventism, but we find practicing faith a little more difficult. 
We like hearing the stories of the miracles, but we find hoping for them and experiencing them a bit more challenging. It's the difference between where we live in our heads and where we walk with our feet. And Jesus invites us to both. In the psalmist, we see that it's not either or. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me into your truth. Teach me, for you're my Savior. That's a lot of words about learning and growing and walking. Ah, And then it's difficult. And my hope is in you all day long, unflagging, unfailing, all day long. Our hope is in him. Psalm 33. Wonderful passage in verse 20. There are lots more, of course, but let's just look at 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. It's pretty positive, isn't it? Help, thanks, wow. The three prayers that are the title of Anne Lamott's newest book. Help, thanks, wow. Pretty good prayers, I think. I use one or the other of those every day. Sometimes multiple times a day. Do you ever just stop and say help? How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands. Hopefully you've often said thanks, And have you ever been overwhelmed with wonder and just said, wow, piece of music, the face of a newborn baby? Lamar says, wow, a lot. That's a big prayer for Lamar. (laughs) Any of you Facebook friends with Lamar? You will not find a picture of Lamar on there, not one. It's Lamar and Abe. (laughs) Because her constant prayer is, wow, thanks and wow. That's it. I'm sorry, she didn't give me permission to say that, but she's a good sport. We wait in hope for the Lord because He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. That's what it's all about, hope. Well, and the New Testament doesn't fail us here either. Ephesians chapter 2 pulls us to something. Powerful again, written by Paul, verses 11 to 13. I wouldn't have you miss this. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Remember that in that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now that was just words that rolled off my tongue, and they sounded so nice, they, we probably missed how savage they were. We probably missed the full impact of what that little paragraph just said. It just basically said, here's the circle, and here's where you want to be in the circle, and here's where you were. Here's the club. These are the members. Here's where you are. Not welcome. That's what that paragraph just said. Formerly, you who are outside the circle, without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, 
You who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You who were far away have been brought near. Out here, now in here. Is that a reason to hope? No? Time to quit then. We'll let you think about that. I have one more at least. I think that's reason to hope. In fact, it's right in there. We were without hope, but now we, have, we who are in Christ have hope. That first advent counts for everything. And as we look forward to the second advent, we have all of that to count on and celebrate. Second Thessalonians, Paul again. I apologize to those who don't like Paul, but 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. It's not all difficult. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Oh, I'm in three. Sorry. That didn't make any sense to me either. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. That follows up perfectly to what we just read, doesn't it? May God, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us what kind of encouragement? eternal encouragement. And what kind of hope? Good hope. Anticipation. Positive hope. You say, can there really be any kind? Yes. What do you say when somebody wrongs you? I hope they get the flu. (laughs) I hope that guy who just passed me at 90 miles an hour has an accident. We have all kinds of hopes that are neither charitable nor kind nor based in goodness nor the grace of Jesus Christ. This isn't the kind of hope that saves, by the way. I want to go on record with that. I want to be clear. Paul nails it down and says, No, every kind of good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Hope is for the building of your life in the pattern of grace that Christ has set that we grow in his image evermore every day. That's what Paul is hoping for. It's this process, this joy. Well, finally, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. That's 1 Timothy 1.1. We don't have much this season to cling to if we don't have hope. We don't have much as Christians, if we don't have hope. On the other hand, if we can embrace this season and drive hope deep within our souls and make hope a feature of our faith and the way in which we experience life and live it and share it, if we can be a people of hope, If by our hope we can encourage another, if by our faith we can strengthen another, if by our joy we can point the way to the light that has come, we will have lived as Christ's disciples. 
we will have lived as his true followers. And so my admonishment to you today, my encouragement to you today is take these passages and the hope that Jesus brings and let's take the richness of this season as we anticipate and celebrate the birth of Jesus and his coming into the world. And for those of you who aren't a regular part of us, yes, Jesus wasn't born on December 25. We're all aware. We just don't know when he was born. And so we join with the rest of Christendom. We've picked a day. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to rejoice because it's all we've got. It's all we've got. We're not going to make an idol of it. We're going to use it as a beacon of light and grace. We're going to use it as a beacon of hope. So in the weeks to come, you're going to see lights, not just Advent candle lights, but you're going to see lights because we're anticipating the light that has come into the world. And I want that experience to grow hope within you as you deepen yourself in the Word of God, as you deepen yourself in your relationship with Jesus Christ, as you move your life intentionally to a place of good hope. We know Jesus will be lifted up and praised. I want to invite our special music team back up. They did such a wonderful job. I'm hoping that they'll help us sing our final hymn once again. I like that Chuck Mangione thing that was going there, <laughs> the flugelhorn. It's really unfair. I won't, I won't say too much about this, but it's unfair that one family should have so much musical talent. <laughs> But for this we are grateful and give thanks to our God who blesses us abundantly in so many ways. Patty, can we sing with you? All right, terrific, great. Get out your hymnals, please, and we will sing the reprise to our special music, O Come, O Come. And now may the God of light fill us with hope and anticipation this season for we have been called and chosen. Amen.